We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. The weakness is the quarterback in that really they rely on him so much. I want to introduce you to the perfect passer. That's right. I am the perfect passer. And I understand you're the perfect tight end. What's your favorite route? That would be the tight end option route. You know the one. Got it. Set. Allen. Looking. Waits. The patience. Allen turns the corner and he will toss it. Saturday night, I believe the Patriots will win this football game. Wow! And it's going to be because of Mac Jones what? leading them and a late comeback in the sense of they have to win with him throwing the football. First and ten. Josh Allen, I just feel like he wants to make a mistake. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield. Wide open. Touchdown, Emmanuel Sanders. And the Bills are pouring it on. If your head coach gets a little tight because he's playing Bill Belichick and your players get a little tight because it's negative five out and Josh Allen makes a couple mistakes, I think the Patriots can make sure that they capitalize on those mistakes. Second down and six. I just don't believe in Josh Allen being able to put up two big games back-to-back against the Patriots like he did. Take it. Allen. Flips it for the touchdown. It's a big man touchdown for Tommy Doyle. Welcome, everybody, to another edition, maybe the most petty edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. 
I am your host, Bill season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was some idiot named Ted Johnson from NBC Sports Boston, Gresham Keefe from WEI, Rob Ninkovich from WEI, some clown named Wiggy from WEI, and it's all the Boston sports media and Ian Eagle from CBS Sports. Chris, Drew, I just played you the intro, and yes. and you didn't. You're just like yo. You just weaved all the touchdowns in between people talking shit about Josh Allen. No, what you forgot was that seven drives, seven <laughs> touchdowns, <laughs> minus the two kneel downs. Brett Coleman gave me the idea with his tweet talking about the Bills just went out with the perfect offense because that was Mr. Perfect from WWF, his theme song. That was him doing a vignette on football, that he's the perfect passer, playing with the perfect tight end, Steve Jordan from the Minnesota Vikings in the 80s. You did not get that reference. There's there's people listening to right right now, probably still laughing about that intro, that I used Mr. Perfect's theme song and a vignette he did from the 80s. Uh, it Chris, was the perfect, perfect offense. This is why you're the perfect producer for this podcast. Yeah. This is why I love you. People are going to be laughing about for that for days. People are going to email. <laughs> people are just going to want that clip. You're going to DM us and email us. Give me just that clip. I, I want that. I pump that into my veins. I want to listen to that before Sunday at 640. Uh, folks, there is no way that you can't be fired up about what anything going to work pouring coffee that I, I don't care if you wash cars for a living there's no way you whatever you do you can't be you can't have gone into it this week not fired up after watching that football game it was the it was perfection to chris's point yeah oh god chris this isn't enough beer i need two more beers yeah we're gonna run them back this week this is our recap of the wild card weekend. The Buffalo Bills 47, the Patriots 17. Now, before I read you the stats of the game, we got to talk about this tailgate because, Chris, it was my finest hour. It was this for, for us, it was my Animal House moment where you just decide, let's do it. <laughs> we got there at noon. The weather be damned. Single-digit temperatures. Listen, when the sun was out, it was nice. We started the tailgate at noon. And I want to give a huge shout-out to everybody who showed up. Chris, 35 to 40 people at our tailgate by the end of the day. When all was said and done. People who came in, got warm, stopped by to say hi. Chris, the elements were tough to deal with. It was a monster. But if you're, if you're a tailgater the way I am a tailgater, then this was your Super Bowl. I kept saying, I kept saying to my wife, she goes, what are you nervous about? Because I told her, I guess, she goes, what's wrong with you? I'm nervous. And she says, why? The, the, it's the Bills. Like, they're going to they're gonna be good. They're going to defy. I go, no, 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 not even about the football game. I'm nervous about this tailgate because it's, it's six and a half hours in single-digit temperatures. And it's my job to make sure, my job to make sure everyone comes out of it in one piece that everyone's comfortable that everyone has a good time because that's what tailgating is now my friends came through in spades for me and i am incredibly grateful for that uh, iman azizi showed up and helped me chef up one of the most ridiculous tailgate spreads ever guys just to tell you how tough this was to deal with iman and i are grilling first of all we brought a case of water froze all but the interior five water bottles in the pack frozen 
within the first couple hours. Uh, Iman's wings would come off the grill, and in less than 10 minutes, they started to form ice crystals on the outside. The beers that we were drinking while we were grilling kept freezing if you left them unattended for more than five minutes. You didn't agitate them. They froze. And yet, I think there were some highlights. Like, obviously, a lot of people showed up. Uh, Justin Uhlberg flew in for this game. Yep. Major Justin. Chris, we spent the whole weekend boozing with that guy. Yeah. How fun is that? It was fun. <laughs> Great weekend. Uh, uh, Super Mexican showed up. I wish I was there for that. Dude, he scared the shit out of me. I was in my truck changing my socks, and I look over. There's just a Mexican uh, luchador mask staring at me through my truck window. <laughs> <laughs> it was one. It, and then probably one, one of the like my dad came to the tailgate. John, Impressive. John Fina was there. John Fina. Did your dad meet Fina? Yes. Oh, and my God. dad thought it was crazy because he goes, <laughs> I just can't believe I'm at a tailgate. And a guy that when when the Bills were in their heyday, I was watching them idolizing it. And now he's here just drinking beers and just breaking my With son. my kid. God yeah. damn. <laughs> breaking, drinking beers and breaking my son's balls every chance he gets. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about Fina. It, but I love how he he came, Chris. And here's the here's the kicker. He came. He came just to have a beer, make an appearance, say hi, meet, you know, talk to Iman. Iman sponsors his show with his Q42 barbecue. Which, not gonna lie, the our tailgate is. You guys can come find Q42 barbecue sauces and rubs at our tailgate anytime you want, or you can tweet us at Rockpile Report, and we will make sure that we find a way to get it to you. If you don't want to pay shipping, you don't want to go through all that, we're not going to make our friend pay for that. Well, I'll find a way to courier it to you. Just reach out to us at Rockpile Report. He came to our tailgate, had a beer. Then he had two beers. Then he saw the field was so good, he stayed for a third beer. And then he said, you know what? It's so cold. I don't want to leave because your heat setup is legitimate. Chris, isn't that kind of, like that's everything you need to hear? That's impressive. That, that is impressive. Like you had actual actual heaters. The heat element wasn't you holding people closely to keep them warm. <laughs> no, and guys, just because nobody would want that. Not just even to women. Score how cold it was. I cracked a beer. Right, I cracked a beer on our walk into the stadium. It was shaking around in my pocket, and it sprayed Yulberg's jacket, and it froze before he had a chance to wipe it off. That's lunacy, and yet we were all out here, seventy thousand plus strong. To watch this football game. It was amazing because I was able to go to the game, but I had to work until 7 p.m. Now, I work at a giant facility up up in Tonawanda near the Grand Island Bridge. So I left work at 7, made it to my girlfriend's in West Seneca, showered, changed. She drove me to the game and dropped me off at the corner of Southwestern and Abbott. And then I went through uh, Gate 6. Over over on the sweet end, and then I beat you and Dan to the seats. You did, you did. You I got to there. the seats, and it was just Potter. Well, I was having too much fun tailgating with everyone. We had listeners, guests, everybody. This we had a huge presence at this tailgate, which what it, Chris this is one of the things that's going to make this game stand out to me is that between listeners, friends, random passerbys who just looked and go looked and said, "Wait a minute, is that a heat tent?" A legitimate heat tent? Oh, then I'll, I'll get in there. We threw probably the most effective tailgate we've ever thrown. From top to bottom, it was it was killer. Thank you to everyone. People who came from out of state like Bob Kelly. Bob Kelly, like you're... The comedian. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh. He was half the size of Bob Kelly. 
Bob Kelly's a small whale. This guy was half the size of Bob Kelly, but he was great. Him and his wife came. There was a bunch of other people who showed up. It was just so much fun to connect with everyone in these adverse situations. Like, right? Like, you look at what that was. This adverse situation that we got handed. I I helped put together what might be the best tailgate that we as a group have thrown. You beat us to the seats, but also you were wearing your girlfriend's gloves. I didn't have gloves on. Oh, did you leave them? No, I didn't have gloves. I had a hand warmer. I had gloves with me. I just had hand warmers. Yeah. I love it. You forgot your gloves at home like an amateur. She gave me, but I didn't wear them. Of course you didn't. I was going to make fun of you if you did. All right. <laughs> oh, let's get to the statistics, folks. Let's jump right into the analysis of this one, because I promise you this is the pettiest Bills podcast you've ever heard. It starts with the stats of the game. Mac Jones, 24-38, 63%, 232 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, and a 75.8 rating. Josh Allen, 21 of 25, 84%, which is a career high, 308 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, no sacks, and a 157.6 rating, which sounds ridiculous. Allen under pressure, seven plays. Five of five passing for 27 yards, two touchdowns on passes, two runs for 26 yards, and well, one for 26 yards and one for eight yards, both of which generated first downs. New England running backs, 17 carries, 57 yards, 3.3 yards per carry, nine of 11 passing, 57 receiving yards. That's 114 total yards, no touchdowns, and 13 runs of three or fewer yards. Running back Devin Singletary. 94 total yards, 5 yards per carry, 6 yards per carry, 24 yards, 3 first downs, and 1 touchdown running on the interior of the offensive line behind our guards. Isaiah McKenzie, 60 all-purpose yards on 6 touches. The Bills' offensive line, 0 sacks, 6 pressures allowed. Offensive tackle Spencer Brown, highest pass block rating of anyone for the Buffalo Bills on the night. Deion Dawkins, highest graded run blocking rating of the night. Offensive guard Ryan Bates, second highest overall graded offensive lineman. And on the defensive line, 11 individual pressures, three sacks, three tackles for loss. Boogie Basham with two pressures, one sack, 40% of the snaps. Greg Rousseau, two pressures, two hurries, two run stops. He was the highest graded run defender and played 51% of the snaps. You missed uh, my favorite statistic. Bills third down, six of seven. They had as many third down attempts as touchdowns. <laughs> the question I want to start this analysis of this football game with is who was supposed to be the bully here, right? When the Patriots beat the Bills a month ago on Monday Night Football, there was a lot of hand wringing over this idea that the Patriots and the roster construction were designed to bully the Buffalo Bills into submission. You remember, I sat here eating an Arby's roast beef sandwich. Well, Nate Geary sat here and talked about how maybe we built our team the wrong way. Yeah. In the aftermath of a game like we saw on Saturday night, where they were the more physical team. I don't know. I mean, when you look back at that Monday Night Football aftermath, it's easy to see why people felt that way. Ramondre Stevenson forced nine missed tackles to go along with 100 yards after contact. You walk away from that and go, my team is not physical enough to handle this. Then comes the rubber match. 
We go toe-to-toe with them for four quarters. And while the game's not a runaway, the Bills seemed much more in control in terms of the line of scrimmage and in terms of Allen's ability to dictate play to the Patriots. I mean, given the fact that there was a tornado on the field, essentially, the last time they played. But the Patriots still managed more than 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns with Damian Harris. And so there were still questions remaining about what would happen if the Bills saw New England again in a game that mattered, where Mac Jones doesn't go 14-32, no touchdowns, two picks, and a 31.4 QBR. So we went into this one with a lot of anxiety, a lot of trepidation, but this vague belief that our roster was overall the better one. We just needed to see them execute a game that showed us that they could also game plan and be coached to be the better team on the football field. The fact that Mac Jones had a better game than he had the last time around, and the fact that the results were still nothing short of a masterclass, that's amazing. It was a... We destroyed them. We took them apart at the seams for four quarters. Yeah, this is why I wanted them. If you listen, you know, last week, I was like, give me the Patriots. I want to end them in the playoffs. Reparations, 20 years of Brady at the helm, winning all the time, beating us, us never having a chance. I want to see New England in the playoffs. That's what we got, and we beat the shit out of them. One of the funny things, so again, we talked about John Fina breaking my balls in my own tailgate. And my dad just getting a kick out of this. But he's also like, it's cool that you're like here now. Like you're doing this. And you're also and also it was just cool to have that experience before this game with my dad. But it was funny because he's he admitted he goes, I cringed a little bit when you said you played like Pop Warner football. Because <laughs> it's like that doesn't qualify you to know anything. No, it doesn't. But one of the things that I always loved about the game of football, even though my team didn't win a lot when I was a kid, we were terrible. Uh, North Collins Eden, Little Loop football, and then you get into like middle school grade football, and then you go on, and it's one of the things that I always liked was this idea that you liked embarrassing people if you could. Like, I'm going to have a good game when I come into your house in front of your people. I'm sure that's what maybe feel the Patriots, but I love it when I get to see our players do it, and when I get to see them embarrass people. One of the things I love is that we embarrass the Patriots in a bunch of ways that didn't even make the scoreboard, right? Like, you could box score watch and not understand how much we beat them down. Here it is. First of all, their running backs made no significant impact in this game. And the rushing number in key areas where they had thrived on all season were atrocious. Remember the Bills game earlier when we go, hey, how come we didn't blitz? The, the big question was, why weren't we blitzing Matt Milano into a certain gap? And that's the reason that the Patriots offense was thriving in the rushing attack for three quarters. And then the Bills made it close at the end. Well, guess what? That was never even a conversation because the middle of the field was just unavailable to the Patriots. Seven of their carries came behind offensive linemen, not pitch outs, not runs off the tight end shoulders. When they tried to run behind the center, the right guard and the right tackle, they rushed for a combined 11 yards and one first down. As a team, the Patriots rushed for single-digit yards after contact on plays that required the offensive line to block for them instead of pitch outs. That's embarrassing. I thought you were supposed to be the tough one here, right? Yeah. That was supposed to be the decision maker. Meanwhile, Devin Singletary had more rushing first downs than their entire team, including those scrambles where the guy on TikTok, uh, Trap House Sports, it's the, you can listen to it if you go to our Twitter feed at Rockpile Report. 
During his two-minute recap of the game, he described Mac Jones as a semi-athletic airpod of a human being and the hum- the physical embodiment of a sneeze. <laughs> he goes, even this dude's running for a first down, but look at him stride. Our offensive line. Chris, so our running back was more physical than theirs. But wasn't Damian Harris, like, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevens, they were winners, right? Yeah. Devin Singletary outplayed him. And then you look at our offensive line to theirs. We were making athletic plays to get to the second level and get home on reach blocks, combo blocks. Dawkins and Brown. There was a couple plays where they looked, Chris, when they motioned them both, like, just you bring them around, and they slam in there and open up a crease for Devin Singletary for a first down. And I go, this is like a 300-pound version of the Mighty Ducks Bash Brothers. Like that's, that's what I'm watching happen right now for the Buffalo Bills. We punched them in the mouth over and over again in the front seven from Jump Street, and it never stopped. Coming into this game, the narrative was that it was our finesse and our talent against their physicality and their cerebral nature that was going to make the matchup compelling. And it was the reason that the line was only three and a half points. But the thing people forgot is that we, too, have been developing this physical presence and this cerebral nature of the offense over the last month of football. And if that were to have ever manifested itself, I don't care if you built Bill Belichick to drop the game plan. Bill Pullman from Independence Day to give the locker room speech, or Bill Gates' bank account to pay off the officials. Our bills are still going to kick your ass and send you home looking for Bill, uh, just a Bill Murray flick to try to, I don't know, ease the tension, to try to laugh it off. All of the bills in the world won't save you from our bills. That's it. <sighs> the Patriots came into this season series being talked about like the bully of the matchup and when it mattered most and each of our teams were asked to dig deep we were the ones who really put on a clinic and the other team fell apart they wilted i don't know if that's coaching i don't know if you want to i don't care where you want to place the blame the fact is is that we embarrassed somebody we hated on national television with chris how many people were there at the game kyle brandt ryan fitzpatrick was shirtless in the states yeah how cool was that he makes millions and he could be in a suite but no, he's just going to buy 100 level tickets, take his shirt off. It was amazing. I I love everything about this. And I think that there's some unsung heroes. I think that when you listen to a lot of these podcasts that have been out here this week, they've already some of them have already aired. They're going to talk a lot about the, the Hydes and the Poyers and the Dawson Knoxes who really did make the difference in this game. They're going to they're going to spend a lot of time talking about Josh Allen's game. I know you're going to get that from them. So what I want to do is I want to take this time to highlight players who I think made a huge impact that aren't going to get enough is enough run as I think they deserve for what they did in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The first one's the trench warfare. The stats from the top of the show. The Bills were able to be the bullies that they were in this one because we got a master class from our big uglies. A few of them were guys that we spent time last week ahead of the playoffs talking about with Anthony Prohaska from Cover One. Consider that show, Chris, I think was perfectly timed. I know sure. you weren't I know you weren't exactly thrilled about trying to We did four shows in one night. Four shows in one night. Chris, raise a glass. That's probably the most aggressive podcasting we've ever done. But I think it pays dividends when you take a look at that conversation and how each of these players have developed. And then you look back at this game. First of all, our offensive tackles once again made prize free agent Matt Judon disappear. One pressure, one tackle. All that money spent on that guy who we thought was going to be a game wrecker. And where was he, Chris? Nowhere. Against a rookie and against Deion Dawkins. Before the game. And don't worry, because I've got more on this later. Some clown named John Anderson over at WEI, Boston Sports Radio, and, which is funny because it's a sister station to our own WGR 550, wrote a piece about how the Patriots were slumping and the Bills were overrated, and that Spencer Brown was the weak link on the offensive line. And he's the place that New England should, be, should thrive while they're attacking. It's hilarious that Brown posted the, one of the best nights he's ever had in a Bills uniform. He was tenacious. His technique was solid. And you saw more than just flashes. You saw nasty from him. Nasty from him on a routine basis. I mean, it was missing from our game last year. And we got it back this year. And our offensive line, I think as a whole, was a bright spot all night. They were physical. And they were the most athletic version of the Bills offensive line we've seen all season. And I credit... Our offensive tackles and Rick Bates for giving us that. Now, Chris, when we had the conversation with Anthony last week, and I think you've talked about it here a little bit this week, just in the run-up to this, the offensive line has come a long way, hasn't it? It has. You're no longer, like, there's no Cody Ford who just, I don't even know. when I, It feels like a bad dream, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, how long did <laughs> How long did it take you? It took you this long to figure out that Rick Bates was this good. Yeah, well, that's and that's like, a question I have. What was he? How, what how was did this guy not? What was he doing in practice that made you think he should not be in the lineup? <laughs> that's it. What was happening behind closed doors that you didn't realize that the best interior offensive alignment probably involved Bakker and Bates before Cody Ford? Why did we waste so much time on that experience? I mean, those are conversations for another day, but this version of the offensive line is incredible. Brian Dable. Brian Dable. First of all, Aaron Quinn. Again, we I'm, I'm a fan of pettiness, and I'll, I'll even admit to when it's at my own expense. Tweeted me in the aftermath of that game to ask if I was finally satisfied with the Brian Dable game from start to finish. <laughs> now, Chris, that's fair. He's fair to criticize me, right? Yeah. He goes, oh, I checked our DMs, and I wasn't, I didn't see where you were just waterboarding Greg with negativity about our offensive court. <laughs> what was your thoughts on Brian Dable's 
performance. He's great, which is what he's been. I mean, he's not going to be able to put the perfect game plan together every week, and it's executed per- to perfection. I mean, I know that's what that's what you want because you can't handle more than two mistakes, and then you just like blow your lid. Especially Sunday Drew gets like that. <laughs> Sunday Drew gets hot. Yeah, but uh, it's, a per- says, it's a perfect game hot. plan. He says he gets hot, and he says a lot of regrettable things. But man. So that's what that's what comes with the territory. That's why we don't podcast on Sundays. So here's one of the things I took away from it. Despite the gaudy numbers for him, for Josh Allen and all the highlight real touchdown passes, he finished wildcard weekend with the second lowest aggressive throw percentage according to NFL Next Gen stats, which illustrates that he would he was throwing to targets that on the whole had more natural separation than most people. The only one better than him was Matt Stafford. Now think about who coaches the Rams. The Rams are often talked about as the, like what? The one of the more creative offenses in terms of generating separation in the NFL. And Josh Allen was right there with them, which tells you Brian Dable must have had a good game, correct? Yeah. So Aaron's, Aaron's right. Like, and if you go watch Cover One's film room session with Isaiah McKenzie, what sticks out over and over again is that Josh Allen had multiple options at his disposal in the passing game because we attacked all three levels of the field equally with complementary routes that would combine a guy like Diggs or a clearing route by Davis with another target like Knox or McKenzie, who could win with speed if the defense chose to cover the perceived bigger threat. I, I don't know. I, I just think it was a master. It was a masterful job by Dable in this game that, it was, obviously, Josh was prolific, but he did his he did his own heavy lifting. And then Isaiah McKenzie. First of all, in the run up to this game, I was talking to a kid that I went to high school with. We call him Vito, but his name was Brian Judson. And we were talking about the fact we were going back and forth about Isaiah McKenzie. And he was like, "Oh, well, if they if they're gonna make him active, I go, of course they're gonna make Isaiah McKenzie active. He's the kryptonite to this defense." We went back and forth about how his performance was last game and how the team uses him. He was a kick returner and an offensive presence for the first time all season. And this performance is why the emergence of McKenzie is so damning for our opponents. The last Patriots game, that was his coming out party. But even in a depth role, right? He's dangerous now, even in limited snaps, and gave the Chiefs a ton of homework to do this weekend. Every time he touched the ball, it was in an advantageous situation where considering the way Dable structured the game plan or the play design, he could use his speed to generate yak. Chris, 45 total yards through the air. 32 of it came after the catch. I like it. That's by design because this is a team that doesn't just have that. And he was, Chris, orbit motion. Orbit motion for the first time all season. It's insanity. I saw the play from the stands, and I go, wait, what What the hell am I seeing? They're using Isaiah McKenzie to rotate around. This looks like the 2020 Buffalo Bills offense. McKenzie was a monster. And when you look at it situationally, that's why I say that. He, When you look at the top-level box score, it might not jump out to you, but you see moments. I take a look at this and I go, he's, you look at Diggs, Sanders, Davis, Knox. Those guys are the guys who command all the attention. They're backed up on our own 11. 
The Patriots, uh, the game is still close. The Patriots are thinking, okay, we have them backed up in the shadow of their own goalposts. Play a little tough defense. We'll get out of this thing. We'll get back on the field, maybe get some points. Close the gap. Josh starts the drive on first down by hitting McKenzie for 19 yards. Just on a short pass. But Diggs cleared everybody out. And then it was him running past J.C. Jackson, who was trying to play a zone. And it gave us some breathing room on route to another touchdown. Ben Volin, after that play, well, shortly later in that drive, tweets out, backed up on the run 11-yard line, the Bills gained 64 yards on just two plays. This is like watching the varsity team scrimmage the JV. That happens because Isaiah McKenzie starts the drive the way that he did. So they went from zone to man, and then Diggs burns him on the next play. <laughs> That's, that is how you debate, sir. That is... In the words of from the movie Old School, that is how you debate. These guys deserve a lot of credit because these undersung heroes of the game, you know, Boogie Basham. Yeah, he had a sack. He had a sack. Greg Rousseau, the future of our defensive end room. They were both effective against a team that was talked about as having a very good offensive line. I get it. They were missing the left tackle. But we we hit them. Again and again and again from different angles. I loved the way we just took them apart. And I liked that it was young faces getting in there and getting the job done. The hero of this game, though, Chris, you know who it is. That's quarterback Josh Allen. Do you know who the real heroes are? The guys who wake up every morning and go into their normal jobs and get a distress call from the commissioner and take off their glasses and change into capes and fly around fighting crime. Josh Allen is probably still out fighting crime. I wouldn't be shocked if he's still out throwing touchdowns. Yeah, he fights crime all around. Who's going to stop him? He fights crime all around the United States, except in Massachusetts. We debated in the stands. Remember that? Yeah. In the early portion of the second half, whether I was going to have to drink a Seagram's because we made the bet. Dawson Knox at the draft. I said, anytime he's the hero of the week, I will drink a Seagram's. And he was having one hell of a performance. He seemed in line for Hero of the Week honors. But how do you not give a podcast superlative like this to a guy who put... This is a perfect performance. Chris, one of the most absurd things ever seen on the gridiron in human history. Yeah, this is the perfect performance. Let's run it down. More touchdowns than incompletions, which almost sounds like it's made up. 10 for 10 on passes of 10 or more air yards for four touchdowns and completions at literally every level of the field. Between 10 and 15 yards, two completions. Three completions from 15 to 20. Two completions from 20 to 30. Two more from 35 plus, including a touchdown. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Zero negative plays, despite the Patriots bringing pl- pressure on one-third of his dropbacks. The guys over at Trap House Sports, I know I was joking around about it before, he referred to Josh Allen's performance and I as the following, and I can't get enough of it. Allen was out here looking like someone said they were going to confiscate all his jean shorts if he didn't play well. <laughs> I like it. He does strike you as a dude who'd wear some jorts and not give a shit about it, doesn't he? Country yeah. boy. I like it. He's, he's the only quarterback in NFL history to put together eight consecutive puntless quarters against the defensive genius of Bill Belichick. And in the process, humbled not only their team, but an entire New England fan base in the process. 
And even though this game on Saturday put us in the AFC divisional round, maybe that's the most delicious victory of this postseason out of the entire thing. Because that brings us to, I'm not even going to call it, the, Chris, we've gone this entire season without naming multiple zeros of the week. Yeah. But this week, the fine folks over at the Boston Sports Radio Station, WEI, they take the cake. Fucking embarrassing! They really are a collection of assets. It started with the ridiculous articles by some hack named John Anderson, who prior to the Bills winning Foxborough over Christmas weekend, declared that the, the Bills Super Bowl window was closed. Chris, this is on a Monday after you just lost to that team. It's obviously sour grapes, and it's a ridiculously flawed piece of writing that's gotten a lot of burn on Bill's social media and essentially tried to say that Josh Allen is going to cost the team money and that they're not going to be able to retain people while the Patriots were drafting so well that our team was destined to fall apart because we haven't hit on any, quote-unquote, hit on any cornerbacks or linebackers in the past two drafts. What? <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, what a loser! Does he not know who Dane Jackson is? I bet you he knows now. I bet you he knows now. This led to similarly douche-esque content, just content from Boston Midday Show Gresham Keefe, where they thought they were funny attacking Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 and replaying the audio of the wide right from the 1990 Super Bowl. Now, you heard these guys at the top of the show talking about how, what, Josh Allen is actually our Achilles heel? Because Because we rely on him too much? What? Do the Chiefs rely on Patrick Mahomes too much? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, but it gets worse. That same show, Gresham Keefe, en route to extending the Patriots dynasty, could Bill Belichick cause Sean McDermott to be fired and Brian Dable to leave the Bills? Very plausible, according to a member of our staff. That was on January 14th. What? Oh, another one from January 12th. Uh, They called us fake fans. They said the Bills were so bad for so long that they stopped caring about the team. The team got decent, and they don't know how to react to that. Chris, where were the Patriots fans during the 90s? Yeah, early 90s. I didn't know any. I never saw any. I didn't see a Patriots jersey until I was a man. I'm sorry. This is hack punditry at its finest. They continued on into the early portion of the week where this this just jerk-off John Anderson was at it again with yet another article meant only to get hate clicks from Bill's Mafia, extolling his belief that the gap between Mac Jones and Josh Allen was quote-unquote not as wide as you'd think. And if you opened it, here's what he had to say. Allen and Jones' season-long metrics also don't really matter this Saturday as much as how they're playing right now. And right now, it's close to a wash. How do you feel now? How do you feel now, Mr. Anderson? Does it feel like they're close? (laughs) Chris, do they seem like they're playing the same type of football? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Levi, in three meetings between these teams this year, one of their quarterbacks has run an offense that hasn't had to punt in the last eight quarters of football, and the other threw a pick and led his team to three whole points in the first half of a goddamn playoff game. But, I, Chris, anyone with any self-respect, you'd think that that's where they'd stop, right? Yeah. Nope. A whole week full of absurd takes. I think you have audio of one of them, right? And apparently in the cold weather, there's uh, five games for Josh Allen. Yeah. The numbers have not been good. Aren't great. So I, may, I take it back what I said earlier. The team actually has a pretty good record in the cold. The Bills yeah. have a pretty good record in the cold, as do the Patriots. Yeah. Just going back a couple of years, they're good in the cold. However, under 31 degrees, this is a credit to Jermaine Wiggins. He's been all over this. Under 31 degrees, which it will be. It seemed like one. Right. Josh Allen in five games is three and two, completes 50 percent of his passes yikes and averages 166 yards per game passing and has more interceptions than touchdowns that is gresham queef on weei <laughs> in boston jermaine wiggins has more arrests than catches he doesn't get to talk to me you don't get to tell oh he's been all over this yeah i bet he has <laughs> but he is go talk to your parole officer all right dirtbag this this is stupidity. Chris, this isn't even punditry. I don't know what to call it. It's not only unproductive, but it's a hacky form of whataboutism. I'm going to dig up a statistic that, that just helps me believe further. And yet at the same time, they get to say these things while also being the team that started off a, a, a preseason article talking about, for those unfamiliar with the fairy land of mystical groupthink and magical echo chambers that is Twitter, you are likely unaware of the sensitivity of Bills fans. Wait, what? We live in an echo chamber of nonsense? What about you? You ridiculous... Oh my god, it's, it's hilariously bad. It's hilariously bad. And this team was getting its shit kicked in all December up there in Foxborough. So obviously the thing they should be talking about is this weird statistical outlier that makes them feel better about our quarterbacks struggling, right? Yeah. That's it. That's all they have. And yet in the aftermath of this game on Monday, when you think there would be some sort of contrition, nah, not from these clowns. If you go to our Twitter feed, there's audio from something called the Fitzy and Hart show, which Chris... I almost feel like that's a little racist or maybe just cliche that they have to have a radio jock in WEI called Fitzy in the Boston area. Yep. I'm willing to bet that's not actually his real name. It's just a nickname that they forced him to take so that he'd appeal to the potato eaters up there. Well, it goes to show you how they, they can't uh, they don't know how to name programs up there. Let's just use everyone's last name. Gresham Queef, <laughs> Fitzy and Hart. You guys are losers. <laughs> so these guys spent 20 minutes trying to describe how the Patriots postgame press conferences and the explanations for their gross failures were somehow more professional than the time Hyde and Poyer got into it with our local media. And because of that, we're supposed to believe that the Patriots are a better and more professional franchise. With all due respect, and remember, I'm saying with all due respect, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on. You can go hear the audio for yourself over at our Twitter handle, at Rockball Report. Chris, if you Pats fans want to be known as the folks who root for the best group of losers in the AFC, that's a weird flex, but I'm happy to grant it to him because I feel like that's what we've been for the last 20 years, right? Hey, yep. we have class. We draft Boy Scouts. 
but we don't win a lot of football games. But at least we can do it with class. <laughs> well, good job. Enjoy that class while you're off playing golf, you losers. And then, with the fan base essentially melting down around them, they were forced to deal with callers. The callers said all kinds of insane things, from the fact that Mac, that they drafted the wrong quarterback to the fact that they felt that I, the, the one caller, again, the audio over at Rock Pile Report on Twitter, you can because we've been I've been on this all week, insinuated that Bill Belichick is in the bottom twenty-five of all NFL coaches. Said Mike McCarthy, you know, non-clock watching, game prepping, Mike McCarthy was somehow a better coach than Bill Belichick. I love it. I don't. I don't know a, a fan base that deserves it more. I mean, I guess you reap what you sow, right? And in true Buffalo form, our fan base gave the guys from Gresham Keefe plenty to reap. We're upset. Bill's Mafia. Nobody circles the internet like Bill's Mafia. And they were, uh, they feel pretty they good. They just got the internet out there. Give them a break. That's true. They're flying high right now. They just beat the Patriots. You would you would think by some of these that they won the Super Bowl. But either way, it was their Super Bowl. That's so right. They won, so good for them. They, they can puff their chests out a little bit. But so our you, social media yeah. was a buzzing. Here's just a sampling of some of the tweets we received over the weekend. By the way, uh, nonstop since 9 p.m. For those of you counting, that would be the end of the first quarter. This one comes in from at Real Boy John. Fat old man gets angry at internet. More at 11. Boom. Roasted. I don't know who he's referring to there. I guess it's me. This one comes in from Steve. Where can I get a bottle of Pat's fans tears? You are emasculated. Your wife is looking for Bill's fans to date now. This one comes in from at sexy drew 622. I'm sure he's real sexy. <laughs> I've not seen the avatar in this one. Yeah. I would imagine he's a pretty handsome devil. He was quote tweeting Gresh's Josh Allen take from weeks ago. Yep. He said, who let them have a podcast? This is honestly the dumbest bleep I've heard. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. I'm not smart enough to know it's on the radio versus a podcast, but I'm in the Bills land and I got a concussion once going through a table. Here's the beauty, sexy Drew 622. Anybody can have a podcast. Anybody. <laughs> All of that audio comes compliments of WEI. And you can go find it online, the whole seven-minute segment. It's, it's a gorgeous thing. But, for Chris, first of all, I am not sexy Drew. I did not tweet that. Oh, no. I did find it funny. No, no one finds A cups sexy. Also, <laughs> touche, sir. Also, you're damn right anyone can have a podcast and they can use it to say anything they want to. And what I'm going to use mine to do is to dunk all over these clowns who think that they're professional broadcasters. One of you has terrible facial hair, one of you is trying to grow a mustache but can't. And yet you won't give it up like Sidney Crosby, like a poor man, Sidney Crosby. And you're terrible at radio. The way I know that is because you don't have anything factual to come up with. So when you try to create and conflate these bullshit narratives, I love that I get to use my horseshit podcast to point out that even though the Patriots look foolish on the football field Saturday night, it's the bozos behind the microphones in Massachusetts who not only look the worst, but are going to spend the foreseeable future dealing with callers just as delusional and unhinged as they are desperate for attention. Congrats to you all. You deserve each other. Our final thoughts walking out of this podcast. What do you got, Chris? Simple. One down, three to go. <sighs> That's it? 
That's it. You're just fired up. One down, three to go. Do you feel good? I feel great. Did, did, did you wake up walking a little bit lighter? Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't have time. Like, I wasn't up till 5 a.m. like you, but, <laughs> I mean, I had to go home from the game and then be up for work at 6 a.m. and yeah. work worked 12 hours. Oh, no, no, no. Yulberg and I stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning drinking in my basement, and then I woke up at 8 o'clock so that I could essentially create a nursery and move a bunch of furniture and do all kinds of stuff at my house that Chris, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm old. Yeah. I'm 36. I'm going to be 37. I, I've forgotten what it's like to be hung over. So I got my experience with that the next morning. And yet the glow of this win carried me through because there was times when I'm putting this toddler bed together and my head would get a little swimmy, and I'm like, God, <laughs> this is brutal. And yet, you plow through because I'm like, you know what? You know what kept popping into my head? I go, I just got to watch the best Bills game I'll ever see in my lifetime. I just got to watch the most prolific performance with all of my friends. Chris, everyone was there. Everyone was there. You, me, Dan, Potter, Yulberg, Iman, Ryan, Rich, everybody we know who goes to Bill's games regularly, except for Icy. Icy be sitting with his other friends, but we, <laughs> you know how he is. Yeah. But we got to we got to experience this, not just experience it, but experience it with each other. It was one of the defining moments of my, I think, entire season ticket holding career, my fandom. Yeah, because we're finally good. And yet, I mean, it powered me through one of the worst hangovers of my life. And I thought that that was as good as it would get. No, that came Monday morning. That came Monday morning, or actually afternoon, as Matthew Fairburn, formerly of the Buffalo Bills media market, who is now switched to covering the New England Patriots, tweeted out the following. Patriots wide receiver Jacoby Myers says that he's he's seen the Bills consistently improve since he's been in the league. Quote, it gives you hope. You see where they started and you see where they are now. We kind of look forward to that. One day that will be us. One day that will be our core group. Imagine that. It's no longer the Patriot way. It's the Bills way. Can I get that on a t-shirt? Yeah. One of the things I walked away from this experience with, the outcome might mean something different to everybody, but for some people, I mean, because look at this, for some people, it was a much needed distraction. For others, it was catharsis simply because it represented a much needed respite from the tired narrative that Bill Belichick has our franchise's number. For my tastes... This sentiment right there from Jacoby Myers was the most delicious thing to come out of this game. Because as our friend John Fina likes to say, so much gets conflated by fans, whereas players and coaches have an entirely different perspective on what takes place in the field and its long-reaching repercussions. So the fact that he said that in public to a reporter proves that this was more than just one game. It was a referendum. It was a statement on exactly where our two franchises are in relation to one another right now. And you can hear it in every disappointed Patriots presser, every manic call into WEI by a disgruntled fan, 
every time one of their uh, one of their jocks goes rogue and comes off with some bullshit just for clicks or says something inflammatory just to get attention. Every player like Myers who realizes that the days of the Patriots representing the gold standard for building a football team and how to build an organization and how to dig deep when things look bleak. After 20 years, that road no longer travels through Foxborough, Massachusetts, and they know it. The media knows it. The players know it. And we as Bills fans know it. It's like I said earlier this season when I was talking about the Patriots and the Bills. Our team was built, not bought. It was cultivated, not contrived. That reared its head on Saturday. And for all the talk about some days and rebuilding for the Patriots, and the, real, the reality is they shot their wad last offseason thinking that they could simply buy their way back into relevance. And the result is a cap situation that could preclude any more quick fix attempts from Bilicek. And at the end of the day, you got run over like a, like a toddler in front of a wave because our team was built and cultivated from the ground up. You threw a bunch of free agents together, a bunch of mercenaries, and assumed that they would fight for you with the same heart that someone who grew up in the program did. That they'd have the same respect for the city. That they'd have the same respect for the fans. For each other. (laughs) And they didn't. And it was your undoing. It's now our ball, Chris. It's our torch to run with as far as we choose This is the reality that we get to enjoy now. The Buffalo Bills own the AFC East. Didn't Dave Portnoy talk about how this was the game that was going to decide it? Yeah. And then he had a meltdown during (laughs) halftime? I'm going to raise a glass and drink deeply to that sentiment. And then it's on to the AFC divisional round. In a game that feels more like the Super Bowl than any game left in front of us. I can't wait. But thank you all for showing up each and every week for this this podcast. I love it. I love you guys. Thank you to everybody who showed up at the tailgate and powered us through this. My lips are still chapped. I've got some... <laughs> my fingers are cracked in a couple places because it was so cold where I can see the meat. Like That's not going to close anytime soon. And yet, I would do it all over again with all of you. This was everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Josh Allen. Thank everybody for this. I almost feel like I'm saying grace now at Thanksgiving dinner, so I think it's time to end the show. Chris, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Power Report.